the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God's the last person that we want to be judging when everything's turning upside down around us. We need to look at what are we doing here. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. The last verse of chapter 40 said, the cupbearer forgot Joseph. Remember, the only thing he just said, hey, when you get out, this is what's going to happen in three days. Just like I said, you're going to be restored to Pharaoh. You're going to be his right-hand man. But the baker, oh, you're, you're toast. You're, you're going to be a dead man. And then in three days, they came and got the two. Cupbearer was restored, and the baker was hanged. But it says, the first verse of chapter 41 said, at the end of two full years. Now, in my Bible, between the end of chapter 40 and the beginning of chapter 41, it's about this much, (laughs) okay? But two years went by, just like that. Boom, two years. That's it, two years. It's just like, what's that, 730 days? Just like 730 days. Boom, two years just went by. Wow, that's a long time. Just like that. Two years blows by. This hardship of prison, this miserable circumstance goes on not for another three weeks, but another two full years. I wonder if God would tell anyone right here today, you know, you keep messing with this one area of your life. You're not willing to give up this one area of your life. Okay, another two years for you. Like I'm in this holding pattern. I'm in a desert. I'm I'm walking through the valley right now. Lord, when is there going to be relief? Well, because you're not willing to give up that thing. So I guess I'll just, I'll come back in a couple years. Like I got to walk in this valley for another two years? Difficulty in my marriage has to go on for another two years? Well, you're not willing to humble yourself. You know, how long will my singleness go on? Another two years? Well, you're not willing to trust me to bring the right person into your life. You're not willing to obey me. You're still living in sin. So I'll see you in a couple years. Oh, well, this wasn't because of that. Joseph was doing everything right. But still, another two years goes by. How could God allow Joseph to just sit there, this righteous man, another two years? He was innocent. He did nothing but please the Lord. He did everything right. Yet, as he sits there rotting away in his dungeon, God was doing something else. Know this, we can never assume that God doesn't see us or care about us. God cares about the injustices 
that are happening to us. He cares. And just because he's not moving today on it doesn't mean that he's not moving. See, people will mock God and say, is there really a God? If there was a God, he wouldn't allow this. Look at our country. The wheels are coming off right now. Everything's turned upside down. Where's God in all of this? Uh, Hold on. Uh, Didn't we as a country, along with the world, excommunicate God? It's like we look at our world. It's a mess. It's pretty much bankrupt. Every country is. The United States is. We just don't say it. We just keep printing money. But, I mean, we have a $30 trillion debt. It's like we've abandoned God. We have abandoned his word. We have abandoned his precepts. We're not living the way we should be living. What is sin in the Bible, we're flaunting in our lifestyles. We've changed laws to flaunt those things. Haven't we chose to live by our own standards? Haven't we created our own morality now? Haven't we embraced sin over God's word? Yet when injustices happen, our circumstances go haywire We're all so quick to blame God. You know, the Bible says this in Lamentations 3.39. It says, why should any living mortal or any man or woman offer complaint in view of their own sins? Like, who are we to be shaking our fist at God when we're living in sin ourselves? He goes on to say in verse 40 of Lamentations 3, let us examine and probe our ways and let us return to the Lord. That's a nice way of saying You better repent and ask God's mercy on your own life and ask him to humbly, humbly, humbly lift you back up. Ecclesiastes 11.5 says, Just as you do not know the path of the wind or how the bones are formed in a womb of a pregnant woman, so you do not know the activity of God who makes all things. So God's the last person that we want to be judging when everything's turning upside down around us. We need to look at what What are we doing here? Yes, we are to never blame God. Even when something looks unjust, Joseph could have been there. God, I blame you for all this. This is all your fault. I was sitting there doing everything for you, and look what you've done. No, Joseph never got to that place. He's like, well, I don't know why I'm here. I certainly don't understand. I I, I don't get it. There's nothing wrong with saying that. I don't get it. I don't understand. But he never cursed God, just like Job never cursed God. We have to remember God is the creator. The fact that he loves us in spite of our failures, in spite of our wickedness, that is a miracle within itself that he hasn't just zapped us off the face of the planet. But the fact is, God does love us. And when we enter into those seasons that don't seem to make any sense to any of us, just like what we see here in Joseph's life, it doesn't make any sense. Now, here's a godly man. He's done everything right, and he just gets, he gets hammered every time. We have to take a step back. When you don't understand what's going on, take a step back. We must go back to the last thing that we do know, and that is, I know that God loves me. And I know that God loves you. You come in for counseling, whatever the mess is, and yet this has happened to me, and this has happened. God's not doing this. It's like, well, okay. Look, I I don't know, but I know this. I know God loves you. I I know that's, that's a true fact. I know God loves you. And I know that if we just wait upon the Lord, I know the Lord will work things out. Because I know that God cares about us. 
So instead of raising our fists at God and somehow demanding to know right now what's going on here and what's happening, we should instead humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God so that he will raise us up in his time. We need to learn, you know, what God is trying to show us in the midst of the hardship of what he's desiring to do in our lives. There's a lesson to be learned. If you're in a hardship today, you're in a difficult spot, there's something to learn there, something to learn. And that's what Joseph was about to discover. And we're going to see in Joseph's life, it wasn't, see, because sometimes we get in a hard spot, it's because we're doing stuff wrong and God's trying to, to drive that sin out of our life. So that's what it is many times. But there's other times that you haven't done anything wrong, but you're in a hard spot because God is getting ready to do something miraculous, something crazy. And again, that's what it is in Joseph's life. And he's about to discover that. For it will literally change, listen, the course and direction of the rest of Joseph's life along with the rest of God's people's life that are going to be affected all the way up until even us here today because of what God's going to do in his life. It's affecting us today as we read this story thousands of years later, learning from the hardships of his life. Who would have thought after Joseph had his first crazy dream when he was, who knows what, 13, 14 years old, 15 years old? Remember he had his dream? Hey, brothers, guess what? I dreamed that you were all bowing down to me. And they're like, huh? Yeah, yeah, you guys are all bowing down to me. And he's just like, uh, we're going to bow down to you? Uh, how about never, you little twerp? <laughs> it's like, then he has another dream. And, and not only are they bowing down, but his dad's bowing down. Even his dad's like, uh, yeah, yeah, what? We're, you know, it's like, And he was just telling them the dreams that God was giving him. Who would have thought all this was going to transpire? But God was going to change everything in his life through dreams. And this horrendous hardships that he's been part of, being sold by his brothers, being sold into a house, being falsely accused, being in prison now for seven, eight, nine years, But as crazy as it sounds, it's all true. God was going to use it all. Why? Because God had a humongous plan, something bigger than you could have ever dreamed of. I wonder if when we're in the middle of our hardships, if we continue to serve God with a fervent spirit like Joseph did. Well, I'm going to be just as faithful of us more faithful. I'm going to be more faithful. The harder it gets, the more faithful I'm going to get. Is that how we do it? Or do we just gripe and complain? I was in the church. I started serving. I was being diligent. I was, I was more faithful going to church than I ever was. I was starting to read my Bible every day. Then everything just turned to mush. So I just blew it off. I, I stopped going to church. I, I stopped reading my Bible. It's like, you know, what, what am I going to waste my time for? wonder which one it would be for you. Do we allow the misery to rock our faith? But here we have Joseph 
waking up in a dungeon day after day, week after week, year after year, seemingly forgotten. Then he has this whole thing that comes on after what, five years, six years? These two guys from the palace that are working right with Pharaoh and they come in and now they're in his care. Then, then he has this dream and God gives him the interpretation of their dreams. Oh, he's thinking like, I'm out of here. Oh God, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, hey, cupbearer, just remember when you get out. Yeah, no problem, bro. I got your back. Yeah, he forgot. Joseph's been forgotten by everyone. His brothers, Potiphar, now the cupbearer. He's been forgotten by everybody but God. Then one day, which appeared just like every other day, another day in the dungeon, waking up another day in the dungeon. But this day came, and this day came not one day early, and it didn't come one day late. It came on the exact day that God wanted to move. And God gave Pharaoh a horrendous dream, a little creepy. In fact, it rocked him out of his comfort zone. He called for all the wise men of Egypt, all the magicians. Let's not forget, Egypt's a world-governing empire. But nobody could interpret it. What was it? Ugly, skinny cows, kind of nasty looking, creepy. And what do they do? They eat the fat cows. Hey, you got these great, nice, fat cows. It's like, man, they're just rolling filet mignons walking on four hooves, okay? And you got these ugly cows, skinny, nasty looking, flies around them, wearing really dark sunglasses, you know, just creepy looking. And they ate the healthy cows. Then thin and scorched grain, consuming healthy grain. It's like, what is this? Pharaoh, did you eat some like late night jalapeno pizza or something like that? I mean, you're tossing and turning all night. Verse 9 said that all of a sudden, the cupbearer gets a shot of memory, I'm sure from the Holy Spirit of God. Hey, cupbearer. Everyone's sitting around like, man, we don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. It's like all the wise men, all the magicians. No, oh, we've always come through for you, king, but we just don't know what it is. And all of a sudden, the cupbearer is just sitting there, and all of a sudden, bing, light bulb comes on. Holy Spirit of God, do you remember? He said, hey, king, do you remember when you were so furious with me that you threw me in prison? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, well, I had a dream when I was in there, and there was this young Hebrew man, and he told me exactly what the dream meant. And he also said the exact dream for the baker. He had a different dream, and he gave him the interpretation. And three days later, just like that kid said, to the very iota, I mean, dot the I, cross the T, exactly what that kid said, it came to pass in three days. Wow. Hey, Pharaoh, I know who can help you. I know who can tell you what this dream means, which brings up our second point, speaking truth. Let's read what it says here, picking up in verse 25. So Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has told to Pharaoh what he is about to do. 
And the seven good cows are seven years. And the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one and the same. And the seven lean and ugly cows came up after seven years. And the seven thin ears scorched by the east wind will be seven years of famine. It is as I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Behold, seven years of great abundance are coming in all the land of Egypt. And after them, seven years of famine will come. And all the abundance will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. And the famine will ravage the land. So the abundance will be unknown in the land because of that subsequent famine. For it will be very severe. Now, as for the repeating of the dream to Pharaoh twice, it means that the matter is determined by God and God will quickly bring it about. Now, let Pharaoh look for a man discerning and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh take action to appoint overseers in charge of the land and let them exact a fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt for seven years of abundance. Then let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain for food in the cities under Pharaoh's authority and let them guard it and let the food become as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine which will occur in the land of Egypt so that the land will not perish during the famine. Wow. So the cupbearer is like, I got the man. I got the man that can tell you what this dream is. So they sent for Joseph in verse 14. We didn't read it. And it says that they had to shave him and change his clothes. That's just a nice way of saying, hey, Joseph, uh, you stink. So before we get you before Pharaoh, we got to get you cleaned up. So they cleaned him up, put some new clothes on him. But when he enters Pharaoh's presence, he gets right down to business. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, let's talk about things. Yeah, how's your life? What's going on? Can you give me some background information? Let's go back to when you were born. You know, how were your parents? You know, did they raise you nice? No, it was none of these things. Let's get right to the point here. We, as children of God, we are vessels, and we need to be available to be used by God in season and out of season. I was on the trip from hell. We were on the Abyss Airlines, you know, trying to get to Israel one time. And me and my son end up in Chicago and we're stuck in Chicago airport for eight hours because a volcano went off in Italy, which caused a plane that was coming to pick us up to take us to Israel to be late. So we're there eight hour layover. I'm watching over like, you know, 50 people that are going to Israel. So me and my son were just sitting there like, I'll go, hey son, are you hungry? And he's like, Dad, I'm always hungry. That's just Brenton. He's always hungry. He's just like his mother. No, just kidding. He's like me. Anyway, so, so I go, hey, why don't we bail from the airport and go into Chicago and get some deep dish pizza? And he's like, sounds good, Dad. Let's do it. So we leave the airport, get on a train, and we're going up to the city to find some deep dish pizza. And on the way, there's a black woman sitting there, and her name is Christine. And I just said, hi, how's it going? Yeah, oh, fine. And she's just sitting there all through some, uh, I'm like, so when's the last time someone told you there's a God in heaven that loves you? And she's just like, never. I just started sharing the gospel with her. And on that train, we were on that train for about 20 minutes. I'm just sharing the gospel, sharing the gospel. She's sharing the message, how much God loves her, how much he cared about her. It's like, what was the chance of us being on that train with Christine that morning? It's like a volcano had to go off in Italy to stop the plane so that we couldn't get on it in Chicago. So I'm on this train, 
And there's a ton to talk. He said, we don't have time to waste. I'm never going to see this woman ever again until we get to heaven because that's where she is because she gave her life to Christ on the train. And as soon as we got done praying, the train stopped at her office. She's like, thank you so much. And she got off and she's like, that was crazy. It was crazy for us, but it wasn't crazy for God because God loved her so much that he allowed a volcano to go off to stop our airplane so that we'd be stuck in Chicago O'Hare for eight hours and causing me, an eating machine, to want deep dish pizza, okay? So look what happened. Everything was good, and God just blesses because not only did this woman give her life to Christ, me and Brenton got our deep dish pizza, and we ate like kings. And then we got back to the airport and flew and got out of there. But anyway, it's like God wants to use us as vessels. Joseph was a vessel in the hand of the Lord. He could have been all bitter. He could have had a chip on his shoulder. Oh, no. Getting back to Joseph, God gave him immediate wisdom to this dream. Why? Because who would have ever thought that Joseph would be standing in the presence of the most powerful leader on planet earth? So Joseph gets to work. God gives him the interpretation to the dream. He said everything is in sevens because it all means seven years. Both dreams are one and the same. There will be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. And the seven years of famine will be devastating, king. Everything needs to be saved and rationed for the first seven years so it can be consumed in the second seven years. And this reason, the reason that God gave you the dream twice, two different analogies, because it's going to happen and it's going to happen soon. Just like we should be telling people, man, the apocalypse, just like it says in the book of Revelation, it's going to happen. Judgment is going to happen. United States is all in sin and things like, oh, we're all good. We can just lie and cheat and do whatever we want to do. I guess what? Judgment is coming. You haven't seen it yet. Doesn't mean it's not coming. He says, prepare. He says, listen, Pharaoh, you better appoint a very wise and prudent man to start preparing for this severe famine that's coming your way. Notice how Joseph was direct. He didn't hold back any punches. He wasn't being politically correct. He wasn't trying to water down the judgment that was coming. He wasn't trying to get on the good side of Pharaoh by not speaking the truth. Understand, the Bible tells us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. Joseph insisted four times that this was from God. In verse 16, verse 25, verse 28, and verse 32. He established that God had sent the dream. God had given the interpretation and that God would bring it to pass. This is why we never compromise in the truth of God's word here at Core Church Los Angeles. Again, the Bible isn't always what you want to hear, but it's always what you need to hear. Remember that when you're talking to a friend or coworker that's living in sin and they think they're all right with God, you have to blow their bubble. Uh, excuse me, you're not right with God. You're living with your girlfriend. You're living an alternative lifestyle. You're doing this, you're doing that. It's like, no, you're going out partying all the time. You're into drugs, you're drinking. It's like, no, you're not right with God. You're not going to heaven. The Bible says no adulterer will go to heaven. No fornicator will go to heaven. No drunkard will go to heaven. 
No homosexual will go to heaven. Oh, no one wants to hear that today. Whoa, whoa. You need to be more progressive, Pastor. It's like, listen, do I want to give someone a false sense of security? I would rather offend you and you know the truth than just coddle you and say, oh, you know, God just loves everybody. He's this daisies. Let me give you a bouquet of flowers. It's like God just loves everybody. God does love everyone. He loves enough to tell the truth so that you can repent and go to heaven. See, that's God's love. It's not patty caking things. It's not giving someone a false sense of security. You know, it's like, People saying, uh, I live by the you know, Sermon on the Mount, you know, the golden rule, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Yeah. What about the other 111 verses that's in the Sermon on the Mount? You cherry pick one verse and say, oh, just do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Uh, yeah. What about where God says, I didn't come to take away the law. I came to establish the law. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app, available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to P.O. Box 347-89, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 